I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Double dose of the SC Report for round two here. JT and Lakey back again. We went through Teams List Tuesday yesterday. This week, it's all about, or this day, it's all about the hashtag trade talk. Lakey, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Really good. How you doing? Oh, mate, it's been so long since I've heard that voice. So good to hear you again. (laughs) You're going to be getting sick of me real quick. No, no, I'm sure we won't. Um, I saw you at the Norman Hotel Saturday night in fine form. Had you last night going through all the teams list. And now we're here to talk trades. Um, but interestingly, are you not making trades? What's going on? No, uh, I'm sort of against making trades after round one. I figure I've I've done the research. I've gone through and decided who I'm going to pick in my round one team. I'm going to stick with them and just ride it out. There's going to be a couple of bad guys. There's going to be a couple of good guys. You can't get everybody. Um but yeah, so just back your research. But then um, Physio came out on uh, Tuesday afternoon and dropped that Brian Kelly had broken his hand. So I've got to make a trade. He was my pot in the my pot in the center wing. So yeah, I've had to flip back a little bit. You know what I was about to say? This could be the shortest poll we ever do because I absolutely agree. Don't make a trade in round two. I was going to play the theme song. We're going to give our love to a Cowboys man and we're going to go home, give everyone some time back in their day. But no, <laughs> you've got to make a trade. Got to make a trade. Uh, I've got to find something. That's it. What would uh, Supercoach be without some rage trades or some um, absolutely going to town on some of your, your players there and getting rid of them? Lakey, let's go through uh, the Wednesday pod here. So we're going to talk about, firstly, the people's team. We're going to go through what uh, Wenin's baby, I guess you'd call it there. He's at a, a side on the SC Talk site there where it's up to you guys, up to all the fans, all the, uh, con- all the uh, site members there, what they want to see in and out of their team every week there. The people's team did much better than you or oh. I. Well, <laughs> I can't Put believe it. Put me to shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys know what you're talking about. I tell you that much. You picked a good side. Yeah. They did. We'll go through them uh, shortly. We'll talk about, as we said, whether, well, to trade or not to trade after round one, the for and against for that there. We'll talk some cheapy watch. So, fair few, uh, particularly in that centre wing there of interest, um, plenty of rage trade candidates as well. We'll go through all of them. We'll talk boom and bust some trap city candidates there. So plenty of guys that have gone big in round one, but it could be a case of chasing points if you're bringing them in very quickly there. And finally, we'll talk about future me problems. So some of the guys that we can see being an issue for us trying to squeeze into our sides in the coming rounds. Who are we looking at down the track there? Because as we always say, it is a marathon, not a sprint. And finally, the usual. I've got you here, mate, because you're the captain's guru. We'll talk about our captaincy plans for this week. Um, should we just cut right to the chase? What are you doing? My captaincy? You can't yep. go past Teddy. 
Say, I had some round one jitters with him, but just he destroyed it again. So, yeah, can't go past him. He absolutely did. So maybe we'll leave it to the vice captaincy. I mean, that's probably more of interest at this stage for for the old uh, the captaincy no, stakes. I've, I've got to come out. There's, my whole article was be based towards catfish. You didn't start with Teddy. So there's one or two people <laughs> who did it. That's it. And uh, amazing, as we said in the last pod, catfish, uh, Wilfred actually beat both of us without Teddy. So that's a, a marvellous effort. Um, yeah. Absolutely round of applause to that bloke there. Anyway, like, let's get into it. The the people's team. So uh, as we said, Wenon's baby here. How did they go in round one? And explain this whole thing because Wenon tried to explain it to me, how it works, works, how the voting works, how the analytics work behind it. What is the people's team and uh, how are they going? Yeah, so obviously anybody who um, has voted will know, but for those who didn't, Wenon put up a series of posts in the preseason for people to pick their most popular players, the guys who they definitely want in their team. So it's, I guess it's your ultimate vanilla team. Um, So everybody who's a popular player got uh, voted into this team. It's got your uh, Munsters and Clearies and Teddies and you know, your, your cheapies that everybody has, your high popularity picks. So, round one, that team scored 1,346 points with Teddy as its captain. It's, um, as I said, it just put us to shame. So, I should have just canned all my research and followed what the people have said. Interestingly, though, a lot of people said Damien Cook for this team. So, I was having a look and that basically ruined trying to bit this side under the salary cap there was um yeah there's a lot of debate there as to who should get the final run there thankfully they didn't go for cook yeah that's it so there was a bit of talk um between the contributors uh leading up to thursday's game obviously which gun were we going to have to sacrifice from the people's team that got voted in um and the decision came down on cook we've got a couple of you know five eights and hooking um cheapies there so we could um cover him better than we could cover a Munster or a Teddy or something like that. So chips fell where they were and we just got lucky with it. People got lucky with it in round one. It worked out very well. How do you get amongst it if you want to contribute to this people's team? Well, at the moment, at the moment, the team has called NRL SC Talk. So there's a poll on the site. um, Sorry, that's not the name. That's that's me. Yeah, exactly right. So... There's a vote going on at the moment. You can get in there and cast your vote in um, uh, the article that Wenon's put up uh, this afternoon, yesterday afternoon, um, to go in and cast your vote for the team name. Most popular one will change to that. Buy, sell, hold this week. Carlos will be back with his buy, sell, hold article, one of the must-reads every week. So he's back on Wednesday. In there will be um, votes towards who or what should be traded, if there should be trades, no trades, etc., etc. And then in my article on Thursday um, will be captain's vote. So who should be captain? And, you know, this is for, I guess, the VC, as we said, because <laughs> is anybody going to not vote for Teddy? Well, it's the people's team, so it's uh, it's by virtue of how many uh, how many votes each of, of these options get. So I don't know if there's a lot of a, a drum roll of support for a, the likes of Michael Morgan potentially as a trade in, and then captaincy for the rest of the year. I don't know. I could rally up the boys. Yeah, but, that's um, it. I might go throw a couple of votes in for Morgo and Tom Alolo, so I can really um, gain some sort of respect back from beating this team. I would love the trolls to get their hands on some of these voting options there and just try and wreck this side and see what damage they can they can do. Maybe it'll go the other way. She said it worked going it'll with the crowd last week. It'll destroy Wenon. If nothing else, it'll destroy <laughs> Wenon. 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's 2,200th at the moment there. If you want to get on board, go to nrlsctalk.com. Get all amongst the voting there. All right, Lakey, as we said at the top there, you and I were both not keen on trading, um, making a trade after round one there. It's always, uh, for me, I'll wait and see unless there's drastic changes you need to make, like with injuries or the like. Uh, but yeah, what's the, what's the virtue of holding trades here? Why should we hold trades for this 25-round season? Well, we got lucky last year, I guess, in the COVID year. They, we, we had our usual 37 trades for the year. Um, the season got cut short by five rounds, six rounds, and um, we ultimately ended up with two trades per round. So we could go hard and trade every week to our heart's content and never run out. But this year, um, if you trade twice a week for each week of the year, you'll run out by round 19 or round 20 and and have to coast to the finish that line. That happens. Absolutely it, happens. It does happen. So, more often than not, I'll be fixing up errors that I've made throughout the year and I'll run out by round 22, 23 or something like that and then, you know, have to shuffle guys around to just fill out a 17 as, you know, the season takes its toll and people get hurt or suspended or rested leading into the finals. And so... You've got to really take care of your trades this early stage. That's I always try and skip round one, bank a couple of trades um, for later on in the year. It's it's um it's just the easiest way to save. But um, yep, yeah. What, what's your thoughts? No, I absolutely agree. You think you think back to past seasons when you get to that business end of the year when teams are going ballistic, um, you know, racking up big scores. And if you've run out of trades, you can't make a crucial injury move. You can't do these sort of changes that you're free to do at the moment. So you've got to really think long-term in this game. If that's what you're going for, if you're an overall player and you're trying to get that number one spot, you've really got to think ahead and put yourself in your shoes, you know, 20-odd rounds from now. If you've blown trades on, you know, sideways moves or um, you're just chasing last week's points because, say, a guy like David Mead, who we'll talk at, has, uh, has really gone ballistic, I guess, for him in the opening round, is it really worth it for, you know, trading a, a Tedesco at the back end of the year if he, uh, for you know, God forbid, got injured um, and you're not able to move that guy on. You've really got to consider those sort of worst-case scenarios there if your team is still in good shape. Well, so yeah. I reckon, as, as you said, you've, you've backed, you've put all the, the research in, you've done all that work, you've backed this side in at round one. Fair enough, people will go a bit, you know, down. But, you know, round two is a, a whole new whole new game. So, uh, you know, just hold fire, I think. Yeah, exactly right. And and you mentioned the overall aspect there, but we've got a lot of head-to-head players too and guys that will be in the running for their um, league title towards the end of the year. You want to either be able to create a couple of pods to help your team or cancel out a couple of pods to, if your team's stronger than your opponent leading in those finals. So that's where those trades will come in handy at the back end of the year. Maybe your opponent doesn't have any and can't replace an injured guy and you get an extra score. So they're gold. Trades are like gold. Um, I think we've worked out in past years they're worth sixty, seventy to a hundred thousand k roughly. Um, so you're basically giving two away for free. Now, I think next week is I, I'm sort of flip stance a bit. You have to use two next week to fix up your side before prices change. But this is a good week to save them and save that those wasted trades. No, I absolutely agree. And just some some stats. I did mention it in last night's pod there. I would rattle them off here. Just talking about how round one went. It was a weird old round. We saw, you know, 1500s. We saw 1400s. For most people, they fell within that 1200 to 1300 mark. It was all over the shop there. Plenty of big scores, plenty of duds. 
Of the top nine most owned players, the average score in round one was 47. And if you take away Nathan Cleary's 103, that drops back to 40. So that right there shows you that there's a plenty, there's a lot of super coach players in this game that have gone with the crowd for a good reason too. Some of those guys in that um, sort of top nine were the likes of Jordan Rickey, who who didn't quite um, go to plan there. He got some cheapies there, Tessie New. Those sort of guys there, um, you can have the a tendency to feel a little dejected after a low score, but the reason that they're 40% plus owned, whatever it might be, is because they're either value at that um, at the price that they're at or you expect that they've got a good position in the team and they're going to go forward and, and you know bank on that, um, that early season start. So top nine most owned players went pretty shit last week. Yeah, and that's to be expected. You think... Of those nine, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but of those nine, you'd have names like uh, Simmonson, Saab, um, Staines, Tessie New, those sorts of really cheapy guys. And as you said, those, a lot of those center wings, they are rocks and diamonds. And unfortunately, this week, they're all sort of rocks. Um, but, you know, every one of those guys could fall over the line this week or even bag a double and be up around 90 to 100 points and you'll be kicking yourself for booting them this week. It happens time and time again. You go, no, I made a mistake here. I'm going to boot that guy. And that's what we expect from the young guys. There's going to be inconsistency, especially with the outside backs. There's going to be that inconsistency, um, but there's going to be games where they go bananas and you just want to be on them for that one score, keep it for a couple of weeks, watch their their price go through the roof and then jump off at that stage. Don't jump off now. And conversely, for guys against the grain, so if Supercoaches had had their eyes on these players here, they're definitely not um, you know absolute nuffies that have just had one random good week. But, Lakey, of the guys that were owned by less than 2% of Supercoaches, um, who do you reckon, just off the top of your head, I haven't shared these stats with you, um, can you think of anyone that comes to mind there that might be owned by two less than two percent of super coaches that went ballistic over the weekend? Pods. Um, Blake Ferguson would be someone that stands out to me. He did, but he was not. Uh, I think he was owned by seven percent from memory. Okay, right. the guys owned by less than two percent. Dylan Edwards, ninety six. He uh, yeah. he almost tunned up, and no one is looking at this guy because he's at the fullback spot there. The next best under two percent. Mitchell Pierce, eighty points, your boy. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Yeah. No. So no, obviously, not a lot of um, you know, just absolute randoms have gone huge there. If we look at some of the guys under five percent ownership in Supercoach, there five tons. So these are guys that you know you, you might have one of, you might have at best two of, and that's the reason you've gone fifteen hundred. But looking at these names, the five tons: Tarpane, Barnett, Marnie, Saifidi, Brett Morris. So maybe outside of Reed Marnie there, Daniel Saifidi, Tarpane, Barnett, Brett Morris. Um, they've they've got a bit of history in this game here. Brett Morris. If we ignore the Fords for a moment, there, Brett Morris, six hundred k plus, had a massive year last year. With the chalks, everyone's obviously gone elsewhere. Cheapies. Did we do the right thing? Yeah, I don't know. His his history would suggest he's at most a sixty point per game player. Um, but last year he just exploded, and so he was at like seventy five points per game. And this chooks team is dangerous. So I was off him based on that past history. I thought he's going to be a regression candidate. He's not going to be able to keep this up for another year. He's um, 
what, 12 months out from retirement. So this will be the year he falls back to the pack. But after one game, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. No, less than 5% ownership as well. It's um, it's a crazy stat there for a guy that went so big, but I think we just saw all the signs pointing to a sort of regression, much like his and my hairline. It's uh, definitely a regression candidate. But, um, yeah, he, for whatever reason, he's just finding ways to deliver, and when the chooks go big, he invariably does. That's right. So a couple of... Um, Couple of pod names there, but mate, you finished on twelve hundred. Yet I see Mitch Barnett and Daniel Saifidi in that list. Knights players, what are you doing? Uh, again, Saifidi had a breakout year last year, and I'm I'm sort of rule in my own little book is don't grab a breakout player the year after they've broken out, so to speak. Does that make sense? So mm, sure. um, I just don't think there's that much potential for him, um, that growth for him. And listen, he had a cracking game. Um, played in his hundredth, and that's another thing. Milestone games will will produce the best for guys. So he was playing in his hundredth game. He was captain in the side, and he bagged a double in the wet. That's not going to happen each week. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be more expecting a sixty sixty five average for Safidi at the at the top end. Um, Barnett's an interesting one. He played really well. He was in my side at the back end last year as one of the best second rowers to finish the season. But I, just, I was concerned about how his role was going to be moving out to the um, edge there and not having that base. But looked busy, got got the try, kicked goals like he was Hazamil Masri. He just was brilliant. Um, but again, he's going to be handing that kicking G back to Ponga in a couple of weeks. Not going to score a try every week. Um, but yeah, he's one of the few second rollers that played big minutes and looked very good doing so. So it's a decent pod to start the year. No, I think uh, the purpose of those stats, I guess, is just to say that um, just because the crowd didn't get it right in this uh, instance here and all those guys you trusted at the start doesn't mean they're not going to turn it around in round two because you look at some of those names there. Yes, uh, you know, the Tarpanese, Barnetts, they've got their, they've got their, you know, supporters in Supercoach and they've got their reasons that they've gone so high. But uh, I reckon in, we're going to sit back and say that this uh, round one was a bit of an anomaly. So yeah, trust your exactly. gut. And I guess if there's one more argument I can put across to support this is that round one last year, James Tedesco scored 39 points and he went on to average 95 for the year. So you would be absolutely kicking yourself if you started with him and jumped off because of that lower game. Um, it, it's one game. It will not hurt your season. So just stick fat, trust your um, trust your research, trust your gut. The only reason I would be trading this is for those injuries, the Brian Kellys, the um, Matt Lodges. You know, those guys are going to be out a while. You can't afford to have them sitting on your bench, not doing anything. So jump off. Or um, if you if you missed on a guy, like if for some reason you didn't start with Dane Laurie, um, who's just about the biggest must-have in this game, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I don't think anybody's a 100% must-have, but Dane Laurie's as close as you can get at the moment uh, as far as cheapies go. So if you didn't start with him, he looks pretty surefire to be an 80-minute player and a, a decent little earner. So jump onto him. All question marks gone as well with that round two team list as well, given he's now at fullback and by on the bench. So yeah. not good for Little, I guess, but for Laurie, it just goes to show he's cemented that side, that spot in the side. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cheapy watch, Lakey. Let's get into the first segment of the night there. So we're going to look at some of the cheapies that have littered a lot of Supercoach sides over the round one and how they fared. So I guess that what better to start than centre wing where they're basically a dime a dozen at the moment here. Um, we listed these guys out last week uh, with you and I and who we had. We basically, a lot of sides have got the same guys in. But we look at some of the under underperformers in these ranks here. Charlie Staines, Jason Saab, uh, Simonson, Fusatua, James Roberts, Tessie New, all pretty down games for various reasons there. Some were coming back from injury, some are brand new. Like Jason Saab, he just had a shocker um, against the Roosters, could get nothing going. Um, and then conversely, the other one is David Mead. So a mm. lot have had their eye on him. He's the number one most traded in player for round two as of tonight. Um, David Mead, he has been out of the game or out of the NRL for basically four years, scored a try, had a pretty good game coming out. And then we look at these other guys here, the Charlie Staines and, and that, you know, he had six tries in two games last year. You've got Simonson, who's at such a horribly low price. Um, Pusatua, we know what he can do on his day. James Roberts come back. Are we really trading David Mead in over all these guys? And why would people be doing that? It's a classic panic move in my eyes. He he looked outstanding, don't get me wrong, David Mead. Yep. Um, but he had a lot to play for his first game back in the NRL, playing against one of the premier sides. Um, and everything was going the Broncos' way to start with. And they, they looked fantastic. They looked like world beaters again. Uh, Even the, Milford was doing stuff. I know. Well, I think we're all shocked at that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, David Mead's a classic example of what we just spoke about. Just watch. Um, you can trade him in next week. You get another free free look at him. Um, and if he repeats that, repeats that effort, the big one for me was his effort. He did try the whole game. He he was chasing down guys where others would, you know, other Broncos have given up. Or he, he was just giving 110%. So if he's doing that again and he puts up another decent score, by all means, trade him in. But next week, do it next week. And we look at, like, he fell over the line. Um, as you said, he had a good game. We'll, uh, we'll grant him that. But all these other guys that we've mentioned, the uh, the five or six there, have every chance of falling over the line themselves and nabbing a, a 60, 70 plus. And the thing with that is, we, you talked about it at the start, the whole rolling average. So the fact that their prices are going to go up uh, at the end of the next round. But if, if Dave Mead has a pretty quiet next couple of weeks, his price rise would be nowhere near the kind of uh, price rise that a Staines or Saab would see if they scored a 77 next week. Um, are you much of a maths guy? Oh, no. I always you don't want to explain the, 
you don't want to explain how the the science behind the break even for example but but basically at at round 1 if you have a big score and then two shit ones your price rise is not going to be as good long term as a guy who has maybe a quiet game in round 1 and then a really good game in round 2 and then a quiet one in round 3 because of the whole rolling average that's right. So that this opening game will um, be in that three-week rolling average for just one, um, yep. one occurrence. So it's not going to matter as much in the long run to their price rise or fall. Um, so for there's every chance, say, Tessie knew um, maybe the Broncos attack right instead of left this week, and he, mm. he, he went close to scoring last weekend. He just sort of got away from him at one stage. and So people would be singing a different tune, and I know Roberts and um, Simmonson set up tries. They had try assists and, you know, Staines and Saab but were bench warmers, basically. They should have sat there and had a pie for all they did. But, you know, they can turn it on. I'm less confident with the, the Manly guys, but, you know, Penrith mm. are a strong attacking side and Staines has shown what he can do. So, yeah, every chance these guys bag one this week. In fact, we've got the list here. You... You've written Mead versus Staines, Saab, Simonson, Fusatua, Roberts, and New. Um, I'd go out on Guys, he beat last week. He beat them all last week. He beat them all, but I would say that at least three of those, possibly I'm looking at the matchups, let's say four of them get a try this week. Hmm. Yep. Then he, yep, I can see it happening too. You look at some of those guys. Um, Charlie Staines, saw what he did last week. Simmonson, he's playing in the Raiders, pretty good side. James Roberts, I liked what he did out there. And Tessie New, he's warming into his role there. Um, you know, all, all candidates, even Jason Sarby standing on the wing, all he needs is one good DC pass. That's the thing I think with center wing, we don't have to worry about minutes, we don't have to worry about involvement, um, base points per game, all that sort of stuff. All you have to worry about is that your guy at 200k is not going to lose any money, he's going to fall over the line at, at yeah, some stage. Like, did if anybody watched, if anybody at all actually watched the <laughs> Cronulla versus St. George game last week. You saw that Cronulla's first two tries were a little kick into the in goal and the defense just muffed it um, and Cronulla fell on the ball. That can happen out on the wing and say so these guys just absolutely be gifted tries. So there's nothing to say that they're you, – you may not regret trading them out. Maybe you jump the gun and it works out, but there's, there's every chance it doesn't work out for you. So you'll be kicking yourself. Exactly. And injuries can happen all the time in this game. I think oh, we've seen the worst. it um, far too often. Yep. You go the early um, early trade-in of the guy that hasn't hit that price rise yet. So David Mead, you know, touch wood, he goes and he has another good game or whatever, but, you know, could do a hammy, could do anything. So I think at this stage of the year, we've already talked about how important trades are. I think you've just got to hold firm, make sure this isn't a, you know, just a uh, flash-in-the-pan sort of game for him because he's a guy that has averaged 50 points or more once in his entire pretty decently long career. A lot of 30s, a lot of, uh, well, below 40s in that. So it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's a hard... Um, He's a very difficult proposition for me, given his lack of history in this game and the fact it's, you know, round one. So I think hold fire on that David Mead trade unless you absolutely have to. But I think there's a lot of other cheapy options there that could go just as well as him last week. Speaking of a guy like you did very well, we're going to move away from the center wings here. Ryan James at front row. How good was it to see him back? Oh, mate, it was brilliant for all that he's been through in the last two years. Just to see him on a field again was outstanding. What he did, even better. Mm. 
that try was great. It wasn't like he fell over the line or, um, you know, uh, dived on a classic or Ryan like that. James. It mm. was pure muscle. Put his head down and ran through the defense. It was brilliant. And he's just he's one of the premier forwards in this game when he's up and about and healthy and. The only thing that's held him back, it wasn't all that long ago that he was a lock-in to people's starting sides. And in the draft game, he was around one or two picks. So, um, And the only thing that's held him back is those double knee injuries. And now he's come into um, the game and there's a bit of concern over what his role would be. But he's 235K and we've all gone, no, hang on, we can't do it. He's not going to be a yep. good option. But I missed him. Um in saying that, I wrote him up in the mega guide as, and the very first line was, Ryan James is a very tempting proposition. So, I, I just ended up going away from my own recommendations, which I'm, I'm sort of kicking myself. So, I mean, unlike uh, a David Mead who we said, you know, could go easily back to a, a 20 or a 30 next week, who knows? Ryan James, for me, we're saying we're not going to trade this week, but um, definitely next week, I reckon if, if Ryan James can push through another game, and get um, basically the same base he did last week, 34 in 41 minutes. It's okay. It's enough to see a couple of price rises. Um, is it enough for you to say he's a must-have buy, uh, basically lockout next week? It may, again, referring to the mega guide, here's what I said with the final line of the thing. Even with 40 minutes off the bench at his more traditional 0.9 point per minute rate, James will net you close to 100K profit. So, his, what, 41 minutes and, would you say, 34 base points, yep. um, that's right in that range. And so, if he keeps that up, you're looking at selling for 340, 350K. Yeah, that's almost – that. that's gold. That's gold. As we said before, trades are worth around 100K and that's perfect. Here is where I play devil's advocate, Matt. I love it. The Corys. The Corys are coming back. Uh, the guys that need some designated drivers in the uh, nation's capital there. Harawira, Naira, and Horsburgh. They are due back at some point. They're too talented to keep out of the side there. Um, he, you know, the 34 was good. That was fine. He got the try that probably boosted it. Um, are we likely to see it? Probably not on a regular occurrence there. Uh, he's only likely, based on if he gets, say, 40, and this is using the ever-reliable uh, NRL Supercoach Stats pricing tool. Give it a go. It's, it's a fantastic resource. He's only likely to make 70K if he keeps knocking out 40s from here. With all of that, I don't think he's a long-term play in this Raiders side, as, as sentimental as it was to see him going around and all that. And also, who do you trade him out for? Well, who do you trade him in for, more importantly? Because if you look at a lot of second-row front rowers, front row uh, combinations that super coaches are running with, there's not a lot of guys outside of maybe a Matt Lodge that you'd be getting rid of for this guy. Yeah, Matt Lodge was the one that came to mind. Um, it's sort of a – it is a downgrade. You're only net, yeah. What was Matt Lodge? 290,000? Mm, something like so that. 300, yeah. 300K. So, it'll, it'll net you 60K. Um, not a huge profit, but it will net you something. Um, just for me, like as you said, the Corys are coming back. Um, but And the prop room is a bit congested in that respect. You've got your Josh Papali'i, who's, you know, your guaranteed lock to play in that spot, um, even if he does get binned on occasion. Um, Dynamis Louie is there. Um, you know, Corey Horsburgh. Hudson Young, Amre Gula, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there is um, quite Stacked. a few 
props in that team. But Ryan James, to me, is you know better at his on his day. He's better than all of them, bar Papali'i. So it's mm. it's going to be hard to keep him out of this side if he's healthy and he's playing up to his potential. Uh, Ricky's going to have a you know have to really justify his decision to keep Ryan James out of this side and not playing decent minutes. I can see him playing 45 to 50 minutes a game, um, even if it is off the bench um, to give the the starters a a rest. Um, We know he can play prop. We know he can play at lock. He's done it before. He's played out wide before. He's a guy he could lock into anywhere in that, um, those forwards and, and trust with the role he's going to do. So it's going to be hard to keep him out of the side. I'm going to keep an eye on him. I'm not going to trade him in this week, and we spoke about that before, but he's definitely someone who's firmly on my radar. Um, I underestimated what he was going to do. First came back in two years, and he played 41 minutes. That was huge, absolutely huge for Ryan James, and it only speaks positively to me. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting anyway. I'm looking at some guys that I've got in there over him. I was like you, I sort of said, I just can't see... I just didn't believe it. I didn't think he was going to get that many minutes in that pretty stacked Raiders side. Um, having a look at some of the guys that went over him, Spencer Leniu, uh, we mentioned for the Penrith uh, Panthers there, he did really well, 46 off the bench there. He was a workhorse. With Toka Manu, he's the interesting one here for me because he's he's got 27 off the bench there for the Tigers. He's front row only, 180K, so pretty much bargain basement. Um, his break-even is basically 20, so he's going to be a very, very slow cow. Um, also got Joe Offerhengauer, who probably exceeded expectations. So out of those guys, the only one I'd be willing to sort of move on for Ryan James next week for the price grab is Utoikamanu. But as we said, he's going to make cash over the long term. So what are you doing that in that instance? Yeah, you just hold firm, I, save the trade? The, the thing with Stefano um, is that got to pony up 50k to get ryan james mm, from him so exactly it's almost not worth it to go up that far um if you've got uh, moses leota for instance there's your avenue to ryan james there um matt lodge as we spoke about there's a couple of guys in that range that people took a couple a bit of a stab on but um yeah it's it's a funny spot um one that sort of jumped out to me was um fui Maono. I almost started the year with him and I had in my back pocket that trade, Fumiano to Ryan James if things went awry. And um, I, I didn't. I bailed, um, so I don't have that avenue anymore. But he's one to keep an eye on. If his role and his work rate goes back to what we sort of expected from him in the past couple of years and he just, you know, he styles it and just freaking bombs it. So, you know, <laughs> kill, kill styles the season. But... <laughs> Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. We'll say we hope the big man doesn't do it again. But he, um, he could be a guy that's an easy out, gain a twenty k and and get Ryan James. But he is. He's a funny little awkward position, awkward price. And if you didn't start with him, it's going to be hard to get him in. Um, but there's there's ways about it. Hmm. I mean, I've there got, are, but yeah, you've got to say be very I've got careful. Kurt Capewell up in my second row, and if. Jason Saab has another stinker. It's going to be Capewell down and um, Saab to Ryan James, for instance. So, and there's ways to go about it. No, it's a very interesting proposition. I'm sort of annoyed I didn't go with him to start because I think it's an easy 70-odd K, uh, nodding, not having to worry about a trade. So um, just had a quick look at the 
price projection for Toikamanu, Stefano, as you called him. Um, if he goes 35 points per game over the next couple of months, he could make just as much cash as Ryan James will over, say, a month. So if you're willing to hold firm, um, maybe just see Ryan James as the one that got away, you can still make just as much cash um, around those sort of guys there. So hoping to... for. Anyway, my own sake that James has a quiet one here and some of the other guys have a sort of firm their way back in. But, geez, after the way he performed on Sunday, it uh, looks like a pretty tough watch for me. Uh, the last one here, we mentioned um, uh, Leniu. He looked very, very strong. I think a guy you're not going to play week to week, but um, how much of a cash rise do you see coming out of this guy? Oh, mate, I didn't. I can't give you his exact stats, but he didn't play I huge minutes. I want exact stats. You want exact stats? I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing it up right now. But, yeah, as I said, he was just a worker. He really actually impressed me a lot with how he went about it. I hadn't seen too much of him. I heard all the raps, um, but played 37 minutes, scored 46. Um, so, 1.2, 1.3 sort of PPM mm. in that range. Um, scored 46 all in base and power. So, like, he wasn't getting any line breaks or tries or anything to boost his score. He just came on, played his role, and that sort of looks like the minutes he's going to play. They've they've lost Tarmau. They've lost Eisenhuth. um, So, they're down a couple of the big boppers. And Lenio has been through the system for a couple of years, and they've got huge wraps on him. So, looks like he's really stepping up. And if he plays 35 to 40 minutes, he's going to be pumping out 45 to 50 scores, it looks like. And that's brilliant. That's going to be, you know, from 220K or whatever he is. Um, what, what would be the price rise? You got, you're the maths guy. So, what, at a 46 average, is that 350, 360? Uh, 234.8K. There you go. So, there even go. more than I was saying, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> told you, you're I the maths things, guy. <laughs> see good things. If he gets a starting spot over Leota as well, he can't play big minutes. That should be great. All right, Lakey, moving on from the cheapies, we're going to go on to boom or bust candidates or trap city potential here. So some of the guys that we've talked about going big in round one that could regress a little bit um, over the coming rounds. So start right at the top here, guy that, um, well, everyone had the, some wraps on him. He's got the goal kicking at you guys here. He uh, played very well in the wet. Mitch Barnett, 545K, and he's got a history of, in this game of going pretty large when he gets some time, 65-plus averages in his uh, in his backlog. So what do you reckon, Mitch Barnett, second row only, which sort of uh, hurts him a little bit there given how stacked this position is. Should we be scrambling to get this guy in or is he sort of a short-term uh, flash in the pan? I think he's a guy you would have had to start with. I wouldn't be bringing him in now, personally. Um, I can see the temptation of it, but 105 points, played 80 minutes, which is big for him. So, previously, all his big games um, were from the 13. So, he gets in there, he makes a ton of tackles, works hard, and he's got some attacking upside to score some points, and, you know, he loves a a try. But um, playing out wide, he's not going to be involved in in that work as much. Um, he will rotate through there at times. We saw that on the weekend when um, the bit of the shuffle happened. Watson sort of had to move into the halves a little bit. So Barnett went back. But, you know, as I said, jagged a try, jagged a line break, scored 25, 22 points, sorry, in 
in goal kicks. Um, not going to get that every week. And in three or four weeks' time when Pong is back, the goals are gone. So that's an extra 20 points off his score from that game. Um, he His offloads will be there, but he said he had another 27 points from the try and line break. So that's what he, 50 points down on what he scored. You're looking at 55, 60. Um, hmm. It's not as tempting when you look at it that way. So I think his average is going to be around 60. You're going to be really upset having traded him in, expecting hundreds every week. Mm. Particularly when you look around him and he's got, you know, the Angus Crichton who's coming back the week after next and, um, you know, Ryan Madison there. there that's a really uh, – it's a it's a gun position. And Image Barnett, you know, he's, he's good. He's probably just never cracked into that upper echelon, the, the top tier. And I think that's that's no. the thing there. Maybe the goal kicking, goal kicking gets him there. Uh, over the next few weeks, but beyond that, when you've really got to consider, is he a season? Yeah, I think he's he's gonna regress um, from this first month of football. His base and power on the weekend was fifty six, which again is good, but you've got to take into consideration he's not going to get those attacking stats. The Knights have a really good opening draw, which really helps him. Um, it stiffens up throughout the middle a little bit, so you could be kicking yourself if Ponga comes back and he's. You know, he does give. I said to, I was having a chat with the boys the other day, yesterday or today. Um, but I said how I think he probably should kick from now on. Um, can do yeah, it. Pong is, Pong, is, Pong is not the most consistent with it. Um, so, you know, Barnett could do it. But Barnett's already said this week he's just holding the tee until Ponga gets back. So it's almost guaranteed that he hands it over. It's just, yeah, he. He's good. I heard a conversation with a guy on Twitter too um, who was contemplating trading out Angus who's suspended this week down to Barnett to gain that money and the points. And he said, like, in two weeks' time, I'll just trade Gus back in before his price changes. How often have we said this? I'll just do this in two weeks and I'll do this. Just do Yeah, trading for the sake of it. Exactly right. And as I said to him, you're going to get 120K from the trade down to Barnett from training another – underperformer up to Crichton, you're looking at 300K that you need to have in bank and it's just hard to do in the first four weeks of the season. You don't have that available to you. So, um, and Why even worry? Like, like, If you think about it, how often are injuries striking these days and how often do people go down? You need to make these necessary trades. So why injuries waste are the just big on one. Um, and I learned last year, I it was a bit of a cute year with the double trades every week and the COVID and everything else. And I went, I'm going to get some real outside the box pods in. I'm going to trade because of matchups and, and this and that. And it killed me. It absolutely killed me. Guys, I would have helped. Like when I brought Teddy in, he got knocked to Mars by Sevo. So I traded him back out. And then Teddy went bananas after that and I couldn't afford him. So it's just not worth trading out the absolute premium guns if, if they're missing a week. You're going to end up regretting it. Mm. No, exactly right. Mate, next on the second row list we've got here is Jai Arrow. Um, I saw on the site there someone called him a must-own from round two based on his performance off the bench in round one. Uh, what's doing? 45 minutes um, and a score of 70. Just insane, isn't it? Like. The writing was on the wall. I, I guess we looked over it because of injury histories and how much he's let us down and he's on a lot of people's never again lists. But that forward pack at the bunnies is awful thin. So he's a temp- he's very tempting. Um, I do like the guy. He's one of the best on his day. 
if he can keep putting that output out, 1.56 points per minute um, and all in base and power, didn't do anything spectacular, just came out there and smashed through the work. Um, will he keep the minutes up? Will he get more minutes? Um, is he going to be starting? I just don't know. Tom Burgess went down with his burner at one stage. Did that mean Jai Arrow played a different role or extra minutes? I don't. Uh, what's your thoughts? I'm I'm torn. It was with a bit Arrow. late. It was a bit late in the game when Burgess went down, so Arrow didn't actually see that much of a benefit out of that there. So it wouldn't have inflated his minutes or anything like that. I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just um, like we expected with a few players, brand new side. He's there to stamp his authority on it and um, show why he belongs on the price tag and all that sort of stuff. It's hard to see though with Arrow. We know he can do that though. That's the that's the interesting part. And in, in one way, maybe overlook the fact he's off the bench and he's below 500K, all that sort of thing. Um, he's a super pod. He's 2.6% owned, all that sort of boxes that he ticks the worry is he gets on the field rabbitos don't have the ball all he's doing is tackling he's not offloading he's not busting tackles all that sort of stuff when the game doesn't flow the way that he needs to um and when you're off the bench that sort of hurts so i think at 475k round one game in i think we've just got to be sat sitting back and watching what happens here yeah he he was someone i had my eye on as i said trading kelly out and i've got that um flexibility with capewell so Arrow jumped out at me with his score and his his role that he played against the Storm. But the more I've spoken to you guys, the more I'm sort of leaning that way too. You've got to make sure he's able to do that. And that's his role week to week. So he's definitely a watch for me now. I'll sit back and see how he goes this week. But if he can do that again, um, who have they got? We only spoke about it last night. Bunnies, we, we're shocking with the bunnies, eh? We can never remember who they're playing. They're playing manly, <laughs> but um, so it's a decent forward pack he's up against. But it could be a case of the the bunnies put up a big score like um, the roosters did, and Jairo is not required to go out and do the work that we saw him do. He maybe he puts out a forty or a fifty, and um, and then his be is no longer single digits and. As we said earlier, that 70 is only in his rolling average for the one game, uh, the one rotation. So it's just keep an eye on it. I can't ever recall a player in Supercoach being a must-have when they're off the bench. I think it's just unless they're a cheapie or whatever it is, unless you're there playing him week to week in the 17, I cannot recall a, you know, a bench player being that uh, highly valued. They'll have down weeks. That's just the nature of it. And I don't think anybody's really a must-have in this game. Like Teddy, for... All that he does and all his benefits is as close to a must-have you can get. But, you know, Catfish showed us this week he didn't have Teddy and he beat us all. So, it's you can get it done without him. Um, you can get it done without anybody if you put the right team together. Exactly right, mate. Uh, last one for the second rows we've got here, Bailey Sirinan. Uh, five break even after scoring a try last week here. He firms about 330-odd K, I think he is. Um, just 50 minutes last week, so still sharing the minutes around that Warriors pack there. Without the try, he scores 45. I've seen his name bandied about a little bit. Anyone Is he on your radar at all? He hasn't been, no. Just for that, that fact that you just said, like if he doesn't score, so he got basically an extra 30 points from a try and line break associated with it. Um, is Bailey Sirin the type of guy that's going to do that week in, week out? Hmm. 
And think back like Corey Waddell, Jack Kaczewski, these guys around that price tag and they've had one bad week and immediately gone back to the bench or been rotated out for a, a play like Fatala Mariner and Waddell's sake. So Serenin, he's brand new to this side, don't really know where he's fitting in this week. Uh, yes, the price is good and the score was good in round one, but you've got the benefit of time on your, your side here. So uh, exactly. trap. Another free look at him and see how he goes. It wasn't all that long ago. Everyone was absolutely 100% certain that Josh Curran was going to be starting in that spot. Yep. So um, it, it won't take much to change the rotation, I don't think. I don't, I'm not sure Sirenen's absolutely locked up that position. Um, so, yeah, as we, keep, well, I think it's going to be a recurring thing. Just sit back and watch. Talking about some hookers, mate, Jaden Braley, your boy in the Knights there. He had a, uh, a game to remember on uh, Friday afternoon. He set up a couple of tries there. He was very good, played a lot of minutes there. Um, is he a guy that you're looking to bring in? He is. He is. I really like what he did. He had two games with the Knights last year and absolutely balled out. Did the same in round one. Um, coming Balled his first- out. Balled out, yeah, played well. Um, it's a basketball term, don't mind me, reverting to my younger days. You're the rugby league potty, mate, please. Yeah, sorry. We'll edit this out, guys. Apologies. <laughs> Actually, can I just say, found out on over the weekend, you and Stilesy played each other in an Ipswich high school game of basketball. Is that right? Yeah, and nobody got stabbed in that game. It was just <laughs> outlandish. Were no, Stilesy a couple years younger than me, but so I don't quite recall it, but he... Um, He's adamant. So, yeah, um, small world. It's an absolutely small world. There you go. Sorry, Jaden Braley. Yeah. No, Braley is so cheap for what he can do. Um, and say so he's sort of averaged 80 since he came across to the Knights from, from the Sharks. Uh, How many I games? 80. Wow. Three. Three games. Yeah, well. Um, so, nothing crazy. Um Absolute, just tough little bugger. I think we spoke about it earlier. Tory's ACL halfway through game two last year and ended up playing eighty minutes on it. Um, just, I don't. It's just, it makes me cringe. I don't know how you can do it. Mm. But still, yeah. So eighty six in eighty minutes in the pouring rain last week. They've got a really good run, um, and he looks to be the focal point and sitting setting stuff up. Um, Great stats, um, mate. I have Jacob Little, Connor Watson at hooker, and Matty Moylan in a gun at 5'8". How do I get this guy in? Uh, yeah, you might be in trouble. There you go. You don't. You don't. So, See, is he I've someone got, that I need to break my side for? I wouldn't break your side for him. As we said, it's anybody, like, it, anybody can do anything in this game. We don't know what the Knights are going to do post the first five or six rounds when they have a really good run. Maybe mm. he falls back to the pack. Um, for me, I've got him firmly on the radar. I've got um, Lockie Lamb as my starting 5'8", with Connor Watson up at hooker. So I can flick Lockie Lamb for the sake of 40K um, and bring Watson down and grab Braley if need to. But, um, yeah, he's... I mean, if you can get an extra 100K and Matt Moylan pings a hammy this week, which is every likelihood, mm. then there's... <laughs> How <laughs> could you? Touch wood. Um, I mean, what's worst case for Jaden Braley week to week here? So, obviously, he set up a try and had a, had a good game last week. But what's what's worst case scenario? Well, his base, um, base and power stats was 56. So, probably looking at um, sort of around that, 55, 60 um, for a... What is he? Three hundred and fifty k player. Um, again, 
absolute money if he's going to be able to do that. He's not going to set up a try every week, but he made 43 tackles um, and and had a couple of hit-ups, plus eights, and a, and a normal, you know, uh, just a hit-up, st- standard hit-up. Sorry, the words escape me after a couple of beers. But, yeah, 40... 40-plus tackles a week is sort of what you're looking at. So that's a really good platform for Braley. He's just an absolute workhorse. Next one on the list here on the hooker is Reed Marnie. So I just want to hear one word from you after I rattle off some of these these um, stats here. 134 last week, second ever ton in his time in the grade there. Um, currently an 80-minute hooker at 478K. Previous best average of 52 despite playing 72 minutes per game over the last two years. A quarter of his games are 60-plus, so three-quarters of his games are not. Are we just seeing a flash in the pan here? Is he a trap? He's an absolute trap. All More power to you if you're on board for it. I know you had him in your draft team and absolutely towered Yeah. Up. Was it Stalzy you played? Yeah, so it's... Um, it's fantastic for that, but he's he scored a try. He had a try assist. He made 50 tackles. So, you know, the tackles is probably the one thing that he's going to get, um, but he's not going to make two line breaks each week. He's not going to set up line breaks every week and, and score tries. And he just absolutely pumped out those attacking stats against what was a tired Broncos team. We forget um, as much as they were bad last year, they played really well in the first half but played the last 50-something minutes of the game with only one guy on the bench because of their injuries. So they just ran out of gas, um, and mm. the Eels were able to benefit from that. All their points came in the second half when, when the Broncos were tired. Mahoney's, or Marnie, sorry, is he's just doesn't need to do that every week. You know, Gutho and Moses and Brown and, you know, their second rowers, they're the guys that they go to get it done. Marnie's there to shore up the defensive line and and distribute the ball. Hmm. What I will say about Marnie, though, is we think about him and he's a, a tackle bot. He will occasionally get an attacking stat. That's that's what he did last week, and that's why he went 134. If you look at Appy Corusel, um, scored nothing. He got less than 50 minutes. Damian Cook, 80 minutes, got 34. So we talk about those guys being at the top end, Harry Grant when he comes back, obviously. But Reed Marnie, he's going to churn out. He's got a floor of around 55. I think we would be fair to say, as an 80-minute hooker, which it yes. looks to be yes. the case. So if we are thinking that Cook and Coruscant are on the decline, is a 22-year-old Reed Marnie about to step up into that role? Do we see any future like that in Supercoach? Um, it could be a bit of a regression into the sort of more of a pack mentality in hookers. Um, but I yeah. still think your Harry Grants, your Damian Cooks are going to separate themselves at the elite. Yeah. We know what Cook can do. He's down on confidence or and not running the ball for whatever reason. I was concerned coming into it that um, with Latrell and Cody there, they would be dominating the ball. And that's sort of been the, the case through Charity Shield and round one. Cook hasn't had to do as much. Um, so there is that worry. But they are elite for a reason. Cook had a down year last year and still averaged 70. So I still think they're a cut above Marnie um, and mm-hmm. Braley and Hodgson and whoever else. Coruscant remains to be seen. He had a huge year last year, but it's sort of his first year that he's done it. Um, and the the minutes were a worry. We don't know why. Um, if anybody out there has any insight for us, please comment or send us a tweet 
to NRL Supercoach, NRL SC Talk um, on Twitter. But yeah, we just, mm. we the, the oh, I've actually got a tweet as we've been going live to air. That's weird. I don't know how that works. Uh, JT two fifty SC says he must have gotten tackled too hard by Cohen Hess. All oh, right, uh, yeah, that is strange. That's, <laughs> the most strange thing of that whole comment was that Cohen Hess made a tackle. <laughs> Miracles do happen, mate. Um, last on the Trap City list here that I've got, unless you want to talk about anyone else, Anthony Milford. You know what? I, I reckon it's Wilfred's year because this guy, he went, he didn't go Teddy. He went Milford charity and he got 69. Nice. Like nice. surely all the signs, all the signs are pointing to a Wilfred and Milford year. Yes, Anthony Wilfred. Listen, he looked awesome in that first half. He threw a really nice ball um, out to Coates the mm. one before he landed on his face. Um, he set up another try with a crossfield kick and he just looked back to his best. Um, kicking game was on point for 40 minutes. That's right. But he scored just about 70 points in 40 minutes. Um, I mean, Actually, to it, be fair, I think he had a line break late in the game. And, yes, and he did. I was going to say, I made a so comment during, during the game that – he was on about 54 and then for the first 20 minutes of the second half went backwards from there. So it was kind of the Milford we saw last year. But, yeah, no, he if he can keep doing that, if the Broncos can turn it around, he's in a contract year, players in a contract year tend to play to their best. Um, so maybe that's what he needs to turn it around. He, you know, his million-dollar seasons are f- quickly flittering away. Mm. I would love uh, love Wilf to stake bet me something here for the MILF there, but I reckon it could be a, a little um, little flash in the pan, as we've said. I think he might go back to old habits there when things aren't going his way. Anyone you else for ho- Trap City, mate? I was going to say, you better hope he gets back to his best when he's up at the Cowboys next season. <laughs> you um, enjoy Jay Clifford, mate. <laughs> no, no one down. Um, there was a mention of Fergo a little bit. Um, he was another guy I was looking at. Um, for Kelly, but I'm very unsure of how he got. He played very well. Um, what's your thoughts mm. on Fergo? Interesting because he got that try. He took forever to get it last year and looked very comfortable out there. Maybe it's a shift with Dylan Brown going out there to the other side there, feeding him a bit of ball there, in a you know forming a, a relatively good combination out there. I'm not sure what it was, but Fergo looked dialed in, which I think. To be fair, on him, he's always um, putting in. There's no question about his efforts there or anything like that. But he looked a lot better than Sivo. I think that's the always been the mark there. They're both around the same price tag there. Sivo had that massive year, had a bit of a regression last year. But Fergo, he has been a guy that's been upwards of, I think, 550K in the past in Supercoach there, pr- playing for the Roosters, admittedly. But para, we expect them to go well, a lot better than they did last week. I think Fergo's a guy with upside, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I've seen too many 20s and 30s out of him to trust. Yeah, it's a, it's a, for 390K or there or thereabouts, yep. he's a relatively cheap risk. Um, he's someone definitely keeping an eye on. Hmm. No, exactly right. And I think uh, the price is right for him. But again, I would love the benefit of uh, time here that we've got round two to, to watch him there. Mate, well, uh, we've gone through Trap City. We've gone through the cheapies. We'll just talk quickly on the future me, future you and I problems here. Some of the guys that you've got your eye on over the coming weeks and months. So Sam Walker, we mentioned him in yesterday's pod there. He's not named this week as, as some rumblings 
<coughs> cough Rob Sutherland were touting, but uh, he's floating not to in throw and around anyone the, side the bus. There. No, not at all. I think Copes as well. That's a male. But he's not named in the starting 17, but he's named in the 21. He looks destined to start at some point over the coming weeks or months. So is he a guy that I uh, know? I think he's 34% owned. So he yeah. is very, very highly owned. Everyone went him as their nuff, I guess, if they were starting. So he looks great value there. Obviously, not breaking your side to get him in. Well, not breaking it, but not bringing him in too early, are you? No, um, I don't have him i went with Fogarty as my backup half but very keeping a very close eye on that situation the the mail we got from those previously named sources was that with friend going down and beryl's not ready um and lusick not having played for so long he he may not have been able to handle the full 80 minutes so lamb is quite capable of filling out at hooker and walker capable in the halves so there was a good rotation policy there but we He's named in the extended reserves. There still is a few whispers around that I've, you know, seen outside of those two sources um, to say that Walker will be debuting this week. So watch those final team lists. Have your notifications on Stiles' Twitter um, <laughs> dinging away as he as he loads in those teams. Hopefully, a less inebriated Stilesy this week. Um, <laughs> Thank God those teams on Saturday night were as 1-17 to 17 as named because he was yeah. gone. Oh, yeah. He was blind. We had to drag him out. <laughs> um, the thing that's possibly going to really throw a spanner in the works for everybody is that Walker was a prime candidate for your loop policy. Say you put a VC on someone early in the round and um, they got 150 or something. So you're going to put Cleary on the bench, put a reserve tag on him, and Captain Walker. Um, you can't do that now, obviously. Mm. So if he's playing, it's really throwing a spanner in those plans. Interested if you ever did play him, though. That's the the thing. You want to get a key to this Roosters car, and if he's um, he's out on the field there, you'd imagine he'd be in somewhat of a mix. Or do you reckon he goes sort of the Lachlan Lamb passive sort of role with Teddy and Kiri? leading the, the ship there. Would you play Walker? I wouldn't play him to start with. Um, basement price, so you can afford to sit him for a little while. But he's, um, from all reports, this kid's going to be an absolute stud in the NRL for a long, long time. So I'd be surprised to see him sit back in the way that Lachlan Lamb did last week. Um, but in saying that, still is a young guy. Maybe he just needs to bide his time and let Cleary or Kiri dominate. Joseph Suwali, another name, Sam Walker. I don't know where they get these guys from, honestly. Well, the bunnies in bunnies Suwali's case. But, yeah, handy yeah. Them off. but uh, Suwali, he's obviously all the talk in the, the Reggies. He had a very good game on, on Sunday. So he's very much in the talk. They've had the exemption granted this week. So, you know, he's a, he's a guy that a lot of people have started as well on the hope that he gets a run at some point. I was listening to 360 last night, NRL 360, and they mentioned that he's probably only a month or, or so away. So they're wanting to give him a little trial run at some point in the centres there. So they'll rest you know, the likes of Brett Morris or, or Josh Morris, send him to the retirement home for the evening. But they just want um, some juice in Suwali's legs there, first grade juice. So... He could be a guy who, at some point, you should bring in early because he's going to play that round 17 bye week for the Roosters. You would um, think so. Yeah. And 
all reports, he's he's killing it in the the Reggies there. He's looking great. Um, a lot of people have already started with him in their side. Say, for example, just throwing a, a you know something out here. But if Saab goes terribly, and so does David Mead, do you just bring in a guy like Suwali to bank some cash and upgrade elsewhere next week? Yeah, you absolutely could do. Um, it's it's a ploy. Some have started with him anyway, like as a enough in the center wing there so thinking that he'll get a, a play at some point through the year um which seems to be the case he's got he's got that exemption granted so he's going to play my thoughts were always that brett morris is close to retirement now um they'll give suali a couple of games potentially maybe bring him off the bench just to get him some experience in the nrl with the hope that he takes over from brett morris next year if that's the case. He's going to be an AE nightmare um, coming off the bench just for small spurts. But um, if he does get a couple of 80-minute games and plays in the seven round 17, this kid's a gun. Um, he's going to put up points and he's going to earn money. Um, I'm kind of hoping he doesn't so we've got a genuine cheapie for next year. But it um, doesn't look like that's Never going happens to help. in Supercoach, no. mate. Never happens at all. No. Someone that's not a genuine cheapie here, Payne Haas. So we've talked about him coming in and um, – Possibly reduce minutes this year. That's the the question for him. Similarly to Talmalolo, they're wanting to manage his time out on the field there. But Payne Haas, he is uh, northwards of 600K, I believe. I'll just get the price tag up. But is he a guy that uh, as soon as he lands back in, uh, once that happens, you're looking to bring him straight into your side? What do you reckon we're seeing with him? Not directly. Not directly. Um, 668K. That's it. Very expensive. We're kind of set in our teams now so it'd be very hard to flick someone that you started with straight up to the most expensive player in that position mm. um the talk from kevy in the preseason where they're going to lower his minutes to help him up his work rate a little bit um but again you just want to see how that plays out will the minutes overrule what the work rate is doing um will they cancel each other out will he put up better stats in the shorter time um, I think Wolf will tell us this. He's always first to jump on board and defend his <laughs> Broncos. And he's, I think, in 20, his, his breakout year, whenever that rookie year was, he was playing shorter minutes and putting out bigger scores. So maybe that's the way he goes about it. But it just remains to be seen at this stage and how he fits in with, you know, the TPJs and the Lodges if he's there and you know, Carrigan coming off the bench and whatever, whatever, whatever. But um, I'll be definitely watching to start with. Will have him in my side at some stage. He's, you know, head and shoulders the best option when he's playing. But, um, yeah, I don't think you can just blindly get him in. Hmm. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, I, th- I kind of think so. Like, he's a guy who's so high priced. Like, you you have all the time in the world to see exactly how he's going to fit in the, the lineup here. So, plenty of weeks where you can um, sort of sit back and see, okay, he's actually performing, as Wilfred would say, he's, he's quality over quantity so i think um the benefit of that price there is that we get plenty of time to work it out and try and squeeze him in at some point so i don't see him being a must-have as soon as he lands back in that side there but he's definitely a headache um that we'll have going forward any other headaches for you mate anyone else you've got your eye on for maybe a month or two down the track um i'm trying to think off top of my head i'm watching more so the guys that are failing at the moment the Mm. um the Cooks and those likes. So, the Tomalolos, hoping they'll drop some cash and revert back to their usual um, roles and and running the ball and scoring their points. So, they'll get some cheaper 
fallen guns. Um, the other one for me is Harry Grant, how, when he comes back in a month's time and how he fits in with that Storm side, Pappenhausen and Munster, who have a great combination, but um, they weren't don't have Smith there anymore getting them quality baller of Harry Grant doing that who also likes to run a bit more than Smith does so how will his inclusion in affect the rest of the side hmm that's oh, a very interesting one hey because you look at Tim um trying to fit into that storm side so he had, he had his breakout year at the Tigers last year when he was you know sort of the only weapon that they really had sorry to any Tigers fans right. out there but Go back to the storm, and you sort of, um, you know, there are many, one of many chefs in the kitchen there. So I possibly see that being an impact on him. But having a look at the way he went in Origin last week, last year, for example, he, you know, just did not look out of place at all. So I still expect we'll see the the hard running and the very attacking flair coming out to show there. But I think a guy like Harry Grant is the highest priced hooker in the game. So. The thing is, though, we've, we've talked about it, Coruscant and uh, Damien Cook, his, his next um, sort of best there in that position, the guys, the guys that are sniping at his heels have not gone well in round one. So if it's the case that uh, Harry Grant could be on his um, lonesome in that very top echelon of hookers here, you'd kind of need him in at some point. But I think I'd need to see a sort of 70-plus from him to warrant that, given the high price. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so and he's going to only, be one of the best options, but it's just when that happens. Exactly right, mate. It's a, it's a while away anyway, so it's a future you and I problem, as we've said. Only only other one I've got is Fatala Mariner. I'd hoped for a few more weeks off the bench, but unfortunately that has not eventuated, and he's named this week over Corey Bloody Waddell. So hoping yes, for a yes. quiet week because I really rate Fatala Mariner. One of my favourites in the game. I love the way he goes about it. Um, kicking myself last year that I didn't jump on before his huge run. But there's 22 in his early rolling average and playing against the um, the Roosters, I believe. Mm. Um, so it could be another lean afternoon for RFM. Um, maybe we do get him at a cut price early days. Um, he'll be someone I'll be very keen to throw on my side. Would love it, mate. It's the Panthers, by the way, but uh, we're not here for we're not here for accuracy. No, that's right, <laughs> not at all. And just on that note, mate, uh, we'll finish up with captaincy and uh, who we're trading. So just to cut it short, so we both said Teddy, fair enough, and I am trading no one. So yes, I'm, exciting I'm trading well. Kelly, but uh, at this stage, undecided who to. Maybe I'll just follow the people's team. They seem to do pretty well, and I'll I'll just back their calls. People know Team better than me. Team face, I think they have named it. So, oh, awesome. Hmm. VC Walker for me, mate. Cody Walker. That's a great shout. Cody looked awesome um, in a very well beaten side last week, and he still put up a seventy odd. So, he, he's going to be a just yeah, him and Munster um, between the two of them. It's a flip of a coin, but it's going to be great to have him. No, nah, he killed Munster last week, mate. It's Cody Walker all day. Okay, too easy. VC for you, mate. Um, I'm looking at Dave Fafita. I just want to see how he goes against Ooh. his old side. Um, a bit better preparation this week. No hospital, hopefully. Touch wood for the big fella. Um, grudge match against his old club. I want to uh, who let in plenty to edge second rowers last year. So Fafita for me. 
Love it, mate. We've reached the end of the SC Report trade, hashtag trade talk edition. We've uh, gone an hour and 10. I think it's been great. I think there's so much to chat through. It's round two. It's such a crucial time of year. It's amazing we get through an hour and 10 of analysis and we are both not trading anyone in outside of you for <laughs> Kelly, who you right. need to. So, um, you and I are trying to be sensible, sensible about it, not rage trade. Um, yeah, plenty of people will. It's a super coach community. They love hovering their finger over that T button. That's it. It's hard not to. That trigger finger starts getting a bit itchy and you just want to trade, 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 make your side better as soon as possible. Um, best way to do that, though, is earn the cash. So don't go jumping off anybody at this early stage, especially those cheapy outside backs. Give them one more week. Make the call mm-hmm. next week. Who knows? You'll be bringing in Kyle Fell before you know it. Um, thanks, Loki. It's been a bit of great chat. Um, I think there's there's plenty to get through and plenty on the site as well. As we went from the top, uh, the people's team, the all-powerful people's team, um, get aboard that on the SC Talk site there. We'll have yourself back for the captains. We'll have Milgate. Uh, Carlos back for buy, sell, hold. Can't wait for that there. We'll have Wilfred back with his minutes. Um, went and dropped his teams list yesterday. We'll have it all. Stasi with mail. There's so much going on, mate. Just go to sctalk.com and uh, get amongst it. It's the place to be, guys. There absolutely is. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We shall chat to you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.